Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about Stephen Kisielewski, a Polish hero who helped break communism. Also, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels, will be with us as well. It is February the 20th, and on this day in 1939, <clears throat> six and a half months before Adolf Hitler invaded Poland, New York City's Madison Square Garden hosted a rally to celebrate the rise of Nazism in Germany. Inside, more than 20,000 attendees raised Nazi salutes towards a 30-foot-tall portrait of George Washington flanked by swastikas. Outside, the police and some 100,000 protesters gathered. The organization behind the February 20, 1939 event, advertised on the arena's marquee as a pro-American rally, was the German-American Bund, Bund is a German for Federation, the anti-Semitic organization held Nazi summer camps for youth and their families during the 1930s. The Bund's youth uh, members were present with, that night, and at, uh, as were the OD, the uh, group's vigilante police force, who dressed in the style of Hitler's SS officers. Banners of the rally had messages like, Stop Jews, Domination of Christian Americans, and Wake Up America, Smash Jewish Communism. When the Bund's national leader, Fritz Kuhn, gave his closing speech, he referred to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt as Rosenfield and Manhattan District Attorney Thomas Dewey as Thomas Jewey. How clever. Uh, we, with the American ideals, demand that our government shall be returned to the American people who founded it, declared Kuhn, a naturalized American who lost his citizenship during World War II. If you ask whether we are actively fighting for another uh, under our charter, first, uh, a socially just, white, Gentile-ruled America, United States, and second, Gentile-controlled labor unions free from Jewish Moscow-directed domination. Kuhn's speech was interrupted by a Jewish-American man named Isidore Greenbaum, who was charged in the stage, the stage in protest. Police and the vigilante force quickly tackled him and proceeded to beat him on stage. The crowd cheered as they uh, threw him off stage, pulling his pants down in the process. Uh, police charged Greenbaum with disorderly conduct and gave him a $25 fine, which is about $450 today. At the time the rally took place, Hitler was completing his sixth concentration camp, and protesters of them, uh, Jewish Americans, called attention to the fact that that was what was happening in Germany, could be happening in the U.S. Don't wait for concentration camps. Act now, proclaimed flyers advertising the protest. Outside, the rally people carried uh, signs with messages like smash anti-Semitism and give me a gas mask. I can't stand the smell of Nazis. 
<clears throat> in some cases, police responded to the protests with violent attacks. One instance, a protester escaped a mounted police officer who grabbed him by punching his horse in the face. As the rally broke up that night, some protesters were able to slip by police and punch departing Nazis in the face. That really happened in the United States of America in 1939, if you can believe that. Fortunately, we have free speech, and that was allowed. Uh, unfortunately, we're seeing free speech slip away. And this is exactly the type of thing that should be protected, even though it's hideous in, on the face of it. This happened here in the United States in 1939. Well, it's President's Day, a federal uh, holiday celebrated on the third Monday in February, originally established in 1885 in recognition of President George Washington. The holiday became popular uh, popularly known as President's Day after it was moved as part of the 1971's Uniform Monday Holiday Act, an attempt to create more three-day weekends for the nation's workers. And while several states still uh, have individual holidays honoring the birthdays of Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and other figures, President's Day is now popularly viewed as a day to celebrate all U.S. presidents, past and present. So it is President's Day. Uh, the markets are closed today. As I suspect, banks and several other institutions are closed as well. Well, President uh, Joe Biden arrived in Ukraine's capital city of Kiev early this morning in a surprise visit just ahead of the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of the country. Biden met with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. The trip is the first time Biden has traveled to Ukraine since uh, Russia launched its invasion one year ago. Biden is expected to visit Poland on Monday and to mark the one-year anniversary since the war began, uh, President Joe Biden has promised that the U.S. will stand by Ukraine for as long as it takes in the war against Russia. In the speech during a visit to Kiev, Biden told his Ukrainian uh, counterpart, Zelensky, you remind us of that freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for, for all as long as it takes, and for that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. Biden gave uh, more details of additional military aid that the U.S. will send ammunition for uh, howitzers and javelins and anti-army systems, anti-surveillance radars, or protect Ukrainian people from the air bombardment. I don't know where he gets the authority to make those claims, but I just, my belief is that he should go in front of Congress and make his case and let Congress decide. Well, former President Jimmy Carter, who is at 98 years of age at this, at this uh, time, is the longest-lived uh, American president, has entered hospice, home hospice care in Plains, Georgia, that from the uh, statement from the Carter Center. After a series of short hospital stays, the uh, statement said Carter decided to spend his remaining time at home with his family and received hospice care instead of additional medical intervention. The statement said the 39th president has the full support of his medical team and family, which asked for privacy at this time and is grateful for the concern shown by his many admirers. Carter was a little-known uh, Georgia governor when he began his bid for presidency ahead of the 1976 election. He went on to defeat then-president Gerald Ford, capitalizing as a Washington outsider in the wake of the Vietnam War and the uh, Watergate scandal that drove Richard Nixon from office. Carter served a single tumultuous term and was defeated by President Ronald Reagan in 1980, a landslide loss that ultimately paved the way for his decades of global advocacy for democracy, public health, and human rights uh, via the Carter Center. The former president and his wife, Rosalind, 
who's 95 now, opened the center in 1982. His work there garnered a Nobel Peace Prize in 2002. Jason Carter, the couple's grandson, who now chairs the Carter Center's governing board, said Saturday in a tweet that he saw both of my grandparents yesterday and they are at peace and, as always, their home is full of love, he said. Carter has lived most of his life in Plains, traveled extensively in the 80s and 90s, including annual trips to build homes with Habitat for Humanity and frequent trips abroad as a part of his, the Carter Center's election monitoring and its efforts to eradicate the guinea worm, a parasite in developing countries. But the former president's health has declined over this 10th decade of life, especially as the coronavirus pandemic limited his public appearances, including at his beloved Maranatha uh, Baptist Church, where he taught Sunday school lessons for decades. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Uh, before standing room only crowds of visitors. In August 2015, Carter, Carter had a small cancerous ma- uh, mass removed from his liver. The following year, he announced he needed no further treatment as the experimental drug had eliminated all signs of Carter of uh, the cancer. Carter, I would say he was uh, not a good president. Uh, you may recall that he said that we suffered from a malaise, a general malaise that we had, and it was our fault that uh, the, everything was struggling as badly as it was. I'll never forget those comments. Nevertheless, uh, you know, when you read about his life, he was a good man. He uh, certainly had a good heart. He uh, celebrated Habitat for Humanity, worked hard for, for them, taught Sunday school every Sunday morning. He uh, lived a righteous and good life, although he, his politics and mine certainly differed uh, dramatically. But irrespective, uh, uh, Carter, uh, now preparing his life, he's preparing for death as he's getting ready to accept uh, the ultimate uh, decision. He will decide. He decided to uh, uh, go ahead and forego hospice and spend the rest of his time at home. By the way, Naval Academy graduate and, uh, uh, again, not a very good president. Well, uh, people have been traveling from across the country to join the ongoing more than 10-day-long service being held called a revival in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury University has seen worshipers flock to the event that began when students refused to leave a chapel service on February the 8th. And while those uh, initial students hung around inside Hughes Auditorium, others joined them. And since then, the service has been going nonstop. Now, when I say nonstop, it's 24-7. And again, since the 8th, if you hear we are on the 20th, it's been going for 12 days nonstop. When the event that is being called the Asbury Revival went viral online, Christians from many miles away traveled to join the others in worship. A revival erupted at the same university in 1970 in Hughes Auditorium. The service began inside the uh, campus chapel before more and more students arrived to worship, pray, and sing over the course of 144 consecutive hours. One woman in the group who traveled from Canada to see the event was told, We just felt like God is moving on earth right now and we want to be part of it. News of the revival stirred more congregations across the country. To join the event in, in their own areas with students at Alabama's Sanford University beginning to a fourth day of nonstop prayer, according to the Fox article. One student who spoke at, <clears throat> at Asbury event told the crowd, this is a revival. It isn't hype. 
It's ordinary people crying out for, for the move of God in our generation. Truly uh, an amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, one student who spoke at the Asbury event told the crowd, this is a, a revival, it isn't hype, it's ordinary people crying out for move of God in our generation. According to CBN News, uh, students have expressed a desire to remain inside the worship service, and video footage shows a line of people approximately a half a mile long waiting to get inside. Extraordinary stuff. Uh, see, see how long this goes, but it, it is truly, eh, it, it is uh, the movement of God within uh, people, and uh, it's an amazing, amazing event. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, most health insurance plans don't cover international travel. You want to be able to travel with confidence. You could do that by going to internationalhealthplans.com, internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Mark, tell us about HistoryCentral.com. Absolutely, Bob. History Central is a single place to learn all about both American and world history, but with a, a specialty in American history more than everything else. We have sections on every one of America's wars. We have uh, sections divided up by time. We have sections on U.S. Navy, aviation, railroads. <coughs> and we have a whole section on elections. So we have the history of every single election, the presidential election, all the details and all the controversies that occurred in all the different elections over the years. We have sections on different nations, different states. It's a one-shop place to learn all about history in all sorts of different ways. We have a lot of videos tied in both directly on the website and in our History Central YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos, a lot of them taken from the National Archives of Universal Newsreels from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. Indeed, a multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, and I just encourage you to visit HistoryCentral.com. Mark, so there's a lot of news and uh, surprise visit this morning. Uh, uh, President Biden took a trip to Ukraine. Uh, let's start off with that. What are your thoughts? Right, absolutely. It's a secret <laughs> visit, obviously. <clears throat> couldn't let anyone know in advance. He took a 10-hour train ride from the Polish border to Kiev, hmm. um, and we only learned about the uh, visit theoretically when on the way back, although I think the Russians got somewhere because they tried to attack Kiev. To the best of my knowledge, I mean, I mean, um, Bush visited both Iraq and Afghanistan was visited, but never before has a president entered a war zone where the U.S. wasn't controlling, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. In other words, both in Afghanistan and Iraq, the United States had control of the area, could hermetically seal it and do all the things it needs to do here. I think this is the first time an American president in history has gone into a war zone that it could not control completely. Yeah. Um, and prob- probably the most danger American president has put himself in since uh, Lincoln in the Civil War, I think. Hmm, interesting. So, it's so- interesting, yeah. And so, it's, of course, very close to the one-year anniversary of the war. Yes, and uh, he's he's made some interesting commitments. He said, we're in it forever. We're, we're going to support uh, uh, Zelensky. We're going to support uh, Ukraine uh, through it all. And, uh, you know, he, in my view, I just don't think he really has the power to do that. He needs to go to Congress. Well, he's gotten the support of the Congress. I mean, look, there's some crazy group, and I, I say that very honestly, of very strange Republicans, as far as I can see, who have been taking the Putin line along the way, but they're a small minority. He has the support of the vast majority of the Republican Party and, of course, the vast majority of the Democratic Party. So, yeah, he can't commit forever, obviously, but that's what presidents do when you you know, you know support somebody. You don't say, well, I'm going to support you through next year, and then we'll have to see you again. I mean, that's just not the way you win a war or gain confidence of people. So I think the rhetoric is certainly founded, well-founded. I mean, look, Putin would like to wait out America and hope that his influence via Facebook and whatever other ways he's been influencing these people, which I don't understand, um, will have some effect. And then at some point, Congress will cut off funding. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Americans of all types are patriotic enough and understand the fact that Russia has been and remains um, a major, if not the major, 
threat to the United States and to democracies all over the world, and that if you know American lives are not at stake here, it's only our money, which I mean, money is important, but money is nothing like blood, and um, it's um, something that I think you know the same way that we helped England in World War II until we got in ourselves with Lend-Lease and everything we did. Uh, this has to continue, and I think most Americans agree. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, quite frankly, we're investing money we don't have, and of course we have other points of uh, concern, our southern border to name one. So I think... No, that's not... That's, it's, you can't compare the two. You can't even talk about the two. I'm sorry, money would not solve the southern border. The southern border is not... Our problem is immigration generally. It's a problem, but it's... it's you can't compare and talk about the same thing and talking about money. Remember, the defense budget of the United States is close to $800 billion a year. We're spending about $50 billion a year in Ukraine and destroying our single biggest adversary's army for doing it. So it seems like a, a pretty good investment of money. Um, and if we have a few less weapon systems in the meantime, I don't think it's going to make a difference to the United States. Um, so, you know, and we can always just raise taxes. You know, people do that in times of war. Uh, so again, um, this is the this is a generation threat. And Russia, unless it's defeated, um, Russia under Putin. Let me put it that way. I don't think Russia generally. Russia under Putin is is an imperialistic state that wants to expand. Well, this has to be stopped. Oh well, we'll see. History will tell. So uh, let, let's move to the tragedy uh, in Turkey and what's going on there. Absolutely. So in, in, in Turkey. <clears throat> I think they've just about reached the point where they have not been able to, you know, they, they've pulled the last remaining survivors. Some people managed to survive for 10, 12 days under the ruins, but at this point it's just bodies that are being pulled. Yeah. We're talking about 46,000 um, deaths, which is a tragic number. Uh, poor building codes uh, or building codes that were not enforced. And again, keep in mind that this is an area that was prone to earthquakes, Yeah, and they did have building codes. Words, you can build buildings that will will withstand an earthquake. Yes. Uh, um, and, you know, I think a lot of buildings in the United States at this point, certainly in California and areas in fault lines, will withstand earthquakes because they're designed to. Uh, these, so many of these buildings just weren't designed properly. And there'll be people responsible. But you have to look at the power of this thing. One of the things that struck me very recently is that pictures now sh of this valley that never existed before. Hmm that was created by the earth moving and there's literally a valley looks like it's about four or five miles long wow. and i don't know how deep it's like a mini grand canyon to some extent and it just didn't exist the earth moved and there therein lies this valley that was created so we forget the power of nature sometimes and um well, having survived Ian, forget it. Hmm? Having survived Ian, uh, we don't forget it so quickly down here in right. Florida. <laughs> but you know, it, unless you unless you experience it yourself, it's easy to to sort of forget it. It right? is indeed, uh, no no question about it. In fact, the uh, to to most people who hadn't been here during Ian, it was an uh, ab it was an abstract intellectual concept until they really. Uh, you know, unless you live through it, you really don't understand the power of what's going on. So uh, I certainly feel for these people. Is there anything that's going to good uh, good that's going to come out of this? I don't think so. I mean, obviously we're paying attention to these people for the moment, but I don't think anything good comes out of any of these national natu natural disasters. Really, I mean, lives have been destroyed. Those who survived have lost everything they have. It's hard to see what good could come out of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe stricter 
building codes, maybe places in the world that aren't paying enough attention to the building codes will pay some better attention at this point. That uh-huh. I think we'll see all over the world. I mean, it doesn't make a difference where they are. You'll see people paying a little better attention because one can see what the results of not paying attention. But, you know, again, we go back to a different argument that you and I sometimes have. You know, codes are codes. It's the government, in, in, the go, the government imposing building codes. Mm-hmm. So that's a question. It's like everything else, you know, how much do you want to impose and not impose? And that's always the tension, shall we say. Absolutely. Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratostel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Let's uh, move to China and uh, what's happening in China. Okay, so we've got multiple levels of things to do with China. Number one, they announced their victory over COVID, and at this point, everyone has either gotten it or some version or another. They claim 87,000 deaths. Most independent observers believe there was something between 1.5 million and 2 million deaths. Hmm. So that's quite a quite a difference. Um, the way that the way it was basically was you had to die in the hospital of COVID in order to be counted, and most people didn't make it to the hospital in China, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they beat COVID at the cost of um, the million and a half 
lives. And in some ways, they had the worst of all worlds when you think about it. They had the lockdowns. Yeah. So they lost. They had all the lockdowns, which were terrible for the economy. And then finally, they just gave up on the lockdowns, and then they let it fly through 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 the country, and they gave up a million plus lives. So the worst the worst of all all worlds uh, in that sense. Yeah. So how's uh, how's China doing uh, in terms of their finances? Um, it's still not clear what the result of all this has been in terms of, of their economics. You know, always the problem with China is we never really get good statistics, mm-hmm. and no one believes their statistics. So we'll have to see. We haven't had any recent statistics t- at all. Um, one of the things, of course, um, in terms of their economy is it seems like they have a great incentive right now to try to sell, to go ahead and sell Russia um, arms to fight in Ukraine. But on the other hand, they're afraid of doing that because they're afraid of secondary sanctions. That if they do that, then their companies will be sanctioned by the United States and the mm-hmm. EU. And the United States and the EU are by far much larger trading partners than Russia is. So they're, they've been walking a careful line. And some days they push and say, well, we're going to supply. You're not going to tell us not to supply arms to the Russians. But other days they get a little bit worried about the consequences of doing so. so. Yeah, interesting. You know, uh, what about, what's, where does Iran stand in all of this? Well, the two parts to the Iranian story <laughs> right now. Number one, Iran has become the clear, um, the clear partner of Russia, providing them with both drones and it looks like <clears throat> missiles as well. Uh, China and, and Russia and China and Iran have become more friendly with uh, the Iranian leader making a visit to China last week and talk about uh, G kind of going and making a return visit to Iran. So that's another troubling part. The other thing to keep in mind right now is this troubling news that came out last night was that the International Atomic Energy Commission has stated that Iran, they found uh, uranium enriched to 86% hmm. um, in Iran. Keep in mind that 90% is what you need for a bomb. So that's awfully close to what you need for a bomb. So that's creating another set of crises what to do about that. Um, so, you know, it's like the world is in multi-level crisis at this point. Yeah. So, uh, usually it's at this point that uh, Israel somehow uh, has some sort of retaliatory response to what's happening in Iran. Do you see that materializing? I see it possibly. Uh, look, Israel can't... Okay, Israel has been, been waging a, a cold war with Iran on a regular basis, attacking various things in a, on a quiet basis. That's clear at this point. In terms of a major attack in Iran, I don't think Israel is quite a ready for it. It's not receiving um, tankers from the United States. It ordered some. It, currently, Israel's tankers are converted 707s that have been flying since the 1960s. Hmm. Uh, it ordered uh, modern uh, U.S. T- tankers this past year, but I don't think the delivery is at least a year and a half away, and those would be vital for doing something with, unless the United States takes part. And then, of course, right now, um, Israel's in the middle of this big internal crisis over trying to change judiciary. And um, so, um, I don't know. It's it's really a big unknown. Um, it would seem some people are saying to the government, stop playing with, you know, stop making this, um, this revolution in the judiciary and start worrying about Iran. It's more important. Yeah, I, I, th- I think I read a comment that uh, the United States position was what, it's time to pump the brakes now on these judicial changes in Israel. Right. That clearly is what the um, U.S. Ambassador Tom Knight said yesterday. Um, 
the demonstrations have continued um, I've only because of a prior commitment I'm not in Jerusalem right now with the demonstrators um, but um, dem- there were demonstrations all over Israel Saturday night in cities small and large everywhere in the country today roads were blocked all over the country for an hour um, the protests are getting they're not getting violent but they're getting more I don't call it extreme right what, what, when you when you when you block a road, it's not violence, obviously. It's right. civil disobedience. Right. So that's what's what's happening. It's re- reached a level of civil disobedience. Um, so, um, and, you know, the people, it's so interesting because the people leading the, leading the demonstrations, um, you would think, you know, left-wing agitators like being called anarchists by the government. The leaders of the, the, leaders of, the de- of the whole movement are basically... Former chiefs of staff of the army, huh. former heads of the Israeli Mossad intelligence agency, and former heads of the Israeli Shin Bet, the internal security system. That is interesting. These are the people who are leading the protests. So, not exactly crazy left wingers. Let's put it that way. No, that doesn't um, sound like it at all. So, well, uh, so a- a- any thoughts or uh, premonitions? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? Well, at the moment, it looks like they're going ahead with the legislation because listen. The people who want this legislation, first of all, Netanyahu wants it because he wants to maneuver a situation where he can end his his trial, and he can't do that as long as the Supreme Court can override any decision made to end his trial. So he wants it very much, and some of the ultra-Orthodox want it because they want um, certain laws passed that would not sit well with the Supreme Court, and they, they're demanding that there be this override of the Supreme Court. So I believe it'll go through. Um, but you never know, because the pro- the level of protest is unheard of in the country. It's the uh-huh. largest and most sustained protest in the country's history. And, you know, like I said, the people who are involved, the last time there were big protests was, a, was the social protest movement about 15 years ago, and basically run by a bunch of college students. Yeah, this is and different. It's quite different when you're being run by the, by the ex-heads of the army and and the secret services and all those sort of things. And again, it's not it's not about to be a military coup. Don't don't get the wrong impression. Here. These are people who were in the army. They're no right. longer in the army. They've been out some of them for ten years, fifteen years. But they have my uh, experience in in organizing things. But be they understand what's important for the country. And some of them are quite right wing in their political views. Right. But they also oppose oppose these changes in um, in the judicial system or uh-huh. weakening the judiciary. So interesting, well, and have major influence too. So, Mark, uh, ha- what's going on in Turkey? Well, Turkey again is—they're the, just trying their best to uh, recover from, from from the earthquake at this point. Yeah, I. Um, I, I should. I should. I, I meant. I meant Hungary. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I was wondering where we were. Yeah. So Hungary is an interesting story, like like usual with Hungary. Hungary came out with a statement yesterday. I think it was that the Europeans should not stop trading with Russia, and they're not going to stop trading with Russia. So Hungary is trying to play both sides of, of this war a little bit. Uh-huh. They are members of NATO, and so that's an interesting factor, and yet they've been some of the more problematic members of NATO, to say the least, and he seems to be quite impacted by by the Russians. I should mention one other thing we're talking about since we were going to go back to Turkey. There's one other matter that's important in Turkey, and that's Allowing um, uh, Finland and Norway, no, excuse me, Finland and Sweden, to join uh, to join NATO. Uh-huh. Joining of NATO requires unanimous decision by all the members. 
Uh, Turkey has been the one that's been holding off on that. They seem to have less problems from Finland, and they claim that that Sweden is harboring some quote unquote terrorists. Uh, probably it's just some regime, anti-regime people. So um, Secretary of State Blinken was in Turkey yesterday, I believe it was, and trying to pressure the Turkish regime to allow those two countries into NATO because clearly strengthens NATO in a very significant way to have those two countries as part of NATO. So interesting. Mark Schulman again, founder. But we didn't get a chance to talk about President's Day, but irrespective, it is. And uh, so, Well, the, a, pre- a president went to Kiev today, so let's leave it at that. Right? Exactly. On, pres- on President's Day, it's symbolic, quite clearly. You may, you may love or hate President Biden, but you've got to give credit for the fact that he did that. Yes, we do. Again, Mark Schumann, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll visit HistoryCentral.com. Great uh, uh, multimedia website for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. All right, thank you. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. times they're changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of issues unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart, differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of life center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website DignityMemorial.com. That's www.DignityMemorial.com. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. 
Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We educate young people of high school and college age in ideas of freedom, free markets, personal character, private property, limited government. We do that through our website, which is fee.org, where you'll see daily fresh commentary and videos and course material, and also through events that we host uh, on campuses and in schools all across the country. Fee.org is, again, the website, fee.org. I hope you'll check it out. Great for kids of all ages. So you wrote an interesting piece. It's called uh, Remembering Stefan Kisielewski, the Polish hero who helped uh, break communism. This is significant to me because uh, you've always been a champion of the Poles and their fight for freedom, but uh, you've done it under war conditions. I mean, it was... uh, it's just been really amazing. Maybe you could tell us about it. Okay. Uh, my first visit to Poland, uh, Bob, was in 1986, and that was three years before the end of communism. So it was still very much a uh, communist state under the influence of the Soviet Union and uh, its own, of course, uh, communist regime. And I spent my time there with people who were active in the underground, the anti-communist resistance, And uh, they were just sort of thumbing their noses at the communist regime every way they could. They were illegally publishing uh, books and articles uh, that were uh, banned in Poland by the communist regime. They were um, uh, creating uh, every aspect of life that was public and legal had its private and illegal underground counterpart. And that's what I witnessed and wrote about including this most recent piece about one of the men that I met on that trip. Yeah, so so tell us about Stephen, Stefan's life. Okay, uh, <laughs> Stefan Kishilevsky, who died in 1991, uh, was quite a remarkable man, almost a Renaissance man. He was uh, a musician, he was a, a composer, uh, well-known uh, not only in Poland, but through much of Europe and, and abroad. And... Uh, Uh, He was also a writer and a deep thinker and uh, one of the uh, Communist Party's uh, biggest pains in the butt. (laughs) He uh, found all sorts of ways to, uh, in a very pithy way, uh, say uh, things about the regime that uh, embarrassed it uh, quite a bit. He did, and uh, did he suffer the consequences? Yes, he did. Uh, In fact, uh, one of the many times that he was arrested and did some time in jail was one that he told me about when I saw him in November 1986 in his apartment. I asked him to give me an example of the time uh, times when he was uh, jailed and why, and he said, well, uh, just recently this had happened. He said, I simply said three words, socialism is stupidism. <laughs> and then he said, they they put me in jail, which only proved my point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He did maintain a sense of humor. Oh, yes. In fact, that's another of his side professions, you might say. He was known as one of the funniest men in Poland. Uh, he could skewer the authorities and do it uh, in a way that would generate lots of laughs at the same time. And uh, so, yeah, he was, he was quite the comedian. 
Yeah. You know, it reminds me that uh, Lech Walesa was a, one of the great leaders of the uh, Polish freedom movement. And, uh, he, they, you know, they demonstrated so much courage. He also wrote, uh, uh, this could be my imagination, I don't think so, though, that uh, uh, some of the people who were uh, resisting uh, were broadcasting. And yeah. uh, they and uh, they uh, asked people to turn the, their lights on and off if they are listening to the broadcast. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, that's a story that uh, uh, I have told myself many, many times because it was told to me by a couple, Zbigniew uh, and Sofia Romashevsky, who had run the underground radio for Solidarity in uh, the martial law period beginning in December of 81 and and uh, they were broadcasting until they were arrested in the middle of 82 and thrown in jail. And uh, when I met with them, they had not been out of jail very long. And I asked them, well, among other things, um, how did you know if people were listening while you were broadcasting? And Sophia answered in a profound way that I'll never forget. She said, well, we wondered that, too. We could only broadcast eight or ten minutes at a time. Then we had to go off the air, set the radio up somewhere else to try to stay a step ahead of the government. And she said, one night while broadcasting, we said to people, uh, if you are listening to this radio and you believe in its message of liberty for Poland, please blink your lights. And then she told me that they went to the window, and for hours, all of Warsaw was blinking. How cool is that? That is just a remarkable story. If you can imagine that, that being on for 10 minutes. So it, it was difficult for the people to find them in the first place but because yeah. of the different radio waves. But uh, they did it, and uh, they certainly had an impact on the movement. Absolutely. And Poland is free today in part because of the uh, work that they did and, and the other activists in the underground. And I would say probably one of the more free countries uh, in, uh, in uh, a former Soviet Union. Yes, it is. It's uh, quite free. You can there are no penalties for freedom of speech. Uh, uh, the economy is largely free, and it's uh, become a prosperous country, too. Absolutely. Again, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, FEE.org is the website, FEE.org. Uh, Larry, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books and novels, his latest uh, Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, his latest, no problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure, uh, Bob, on a President's Day. And, you know, today President Biden visited, he paid a surprise a visit to the Ukraine yeah. from, from Poland. And, and it, it got me thinking negatively about the president's uh, dom- domestic and foreign policy and the disastrous economy he's create he will create for us. It it harks back to uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who gave us the Great Society. You know, a huge amount of domestic spending back in the uh, beginning of the seventies, and at the same time, we were fighting a very expensive war in Vietnam. And and the final price tag of the Vietnam War in today's dollars was a trillion dollars. So. So what we had was what economists call a guns-and-butter economy. Sure. And you can't have both. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're fighting a war, you have to make serious cuts to domestic spending, uh, or you have to raise taxes to a very high level to pay uh, for all this federal largesse, uh, or you have to have a combination of the both of both and i just foresee the path we're on uh complicating the fed's current efforts to bring down inflation yeah and and stretching this fight against inflation out the for for many more years uh you uh, there was a there was a conference in sarasota last week and loretta mester who is the uh Federal Reserve President in Cleveland said that the current fight, all things being equal, will last until 2025. Mm. That's the earliest she sees the Fed bringing spending down to uh, about or, uh, price increases to about two percent a year, and that will require interest rates in excess of uh, the Fed funds rate of 5%, wow. it's 4.5% now, 
until 2025. So, um, and that's going to be painful for the economy. It's going to mean the loss of um, probably a million jobs. Uh, so, so again, to reiterate, uh, Biden is complicating this fiscal fight, and he's going to lower the standard of living for the entire country into the foreseeable future. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. And, and of course, uh, if you believe anything that Art Laffer has written, and well, in fact he's demonstrated, uh, the tax cuts under Trump actually resulted in a $1.5 trillion reduction or increase in the amount of taxes collected because of the decrease in the uh, tax tax rate. So if we increase the tax rate, to me, it just makes sense that we'll end up seeing uh, reduced revenue. And the consequence of that will be just to prolong this entire process. Uh, true. That's why you have to do, I mean, when, when spending becomes unsustainable, Unfortunately, tax cuts alone won't dig you out of out of the hole. Right, you actually have to increase taxes, and and believe me, I'm not a uh, a tax and spender. But and you have to cut spending to the bone, and uh, that complicate. I mean, that's that's something that the Washington both parties have been unwilling to do. Uh, the other thing I should add is that a lot of the uh, inflationary pressure comes from wages because we have a labor shortage in this country, uh, and it, it's due to two things. It's retiring uh, baby boomers, and also our immigration policy is just uh, such a mess. You know, we don't have a rational system for getting, uh, you know, educated, ambitious new citizenry into the United States anymore. You know, we, ha we have uh, people, we have poverty at the border trying to push in into the country. And, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm uh, um, inhuman and, and these people should be bored. It's just that uh, that level of worker really doesn't aid the economy. So Congress is also at fault here for complicating our, our, fis our, our economic situation by failing uh, once again, I mean, this is perpetual, yeah. to, to, to create a rational immigration system for this great country. Well, the other thing that's uh, happening here is right now, <clears throat> I think people are finding it more desirable to not work uh, and uh, just collect uh, welfare or collect, uh, get on the dole than it is to, to uh, work. And I think that explains why so many people are not returning to work. We we have I think millions of people who uh, who are not on uh, not working right now. Who are they must be claiming uh, unemployment benefits and other uh, elements on the public dole. What do you think? Well, you know, there's something also called the underground economy where people are collecting money and they're not reporting taxes. You know, it's a uh, you know they're selling uh, drugs. They're uh, you know whatever they, they they get paid under the table by certain employers, and they, their ambitions are modest. <laughs> their their needs uh, don't extend beyond uh, you know a reefer of marijuana or I mean you know there are thousands of people like that. It's, and, well, and, and that's so additive. Is, the fact of the matter is that if you can have that kind of work and still be on the dole, because you don't have to report it. Yes. So uh, this is a this gets into another pet peeve of mine. I really believe that a uh, federal sales tax that totally replaces income tax yeah. uh, would be 
preferable to the income tax we have now because everybody needs to buy goods. So you're capturing some of that illegal, you're capturing all that illegal in, income right. uh, when people spend it at the cash register. So, um, but we're not going to see that kind of uh, tax reform either because uh, uh, both parties in Congress are just so fixated on scoring uh points short term on cable television that uh, you know they they can't sit down and for, for and do some uh, serious work that takes uh, uh takes uh, months and months of uh, hearings and uh, compromise uh, that congress is just a uh, distant memory yeah you know what and, and i agree with you the only problem i have with the concept is the fact that the probability would be very high that not only do we end up with a national sales tax, but we also continue the income tax because it's just be very hard to get rid of. No, I agree with you because uh, what we have is the, the two political parties, uh, what we have left, uh, the Democrats are for federalization of everything. They're creating, they want to create the ultimate nanny state where individuals no longer are, uh, bring them, rise up by their own bootstraps, right. where they're, they're dependent for everything on the federal government. So you become enslaved to the federal government. And, uh, you know, the Republicans are federalists, constitutionalists. They want limited federal government and more power in the states. That's where I lie. I, I want limited federal government, more power at the state and local level where important decisions are, are made, uh, you know, and where the facts are more clearly understood. So, uh, but we're, I mean, that's a, a utopian dream of mine. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm afraid the, the uh, progressives, the Democrats, have the uh, momentum and, and they're taking our country down a, a path that will just, uh, you know, bugger innovation, Right, uh, lower our our standards of living, and um, where you're speaking to somebody, our you're, you're talking to somebody who's living in the free state of Florida right now, and we have we have a firewall against uh, to protect us against that. That would be our governor, Governor Ron DeSantis, and the legislature, which who have done a terrific job in uh, holding on to and maintaining federalism, which is great. So, well, you're lucky, and. Uh, I've heard uh, DeSantos speak. I think he's very charismatic. I yeah. have no doubt he'll throw his hat into the presidential ring. And I think he's uh, probably the Republican Party's best bet going forward at, at this point. We will see you again. Uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. His latest novel is No Problem. I hope you check it out. It's really a fun read. Jim, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and Senate president. Uh, we'll also uh, uh, visit with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>